Did any of you see it that Thursday night? Um, I think it was the 18th, the, the partial lunar eclipse, full moon, and it was in the, uh, in the, in the penumbra, in the shadow of the uh, earth, and that was, it was bright red. And what was uh, remarkable about this particular instance, because it happens from time to time, um, and I've seen moons that look like that, but this lasted for six hours. And that's not going to happen again for another 500 years. And I missed it. I, I wanted to see it. I was planning to see it. Um, I was going to set my alarm. I had been out earlier that night. I came home and I started reading. I forgot to set my alarm. I got distracted. And when I, when I woke up the next day, I had realized that I had missed it, and I'll never see it again. I don't think I'll live another 500 years. In what uh, we now call the first century, people anticipated the coming of the Messiah that was foretold in the Hebrew Bible. And it seems that at that time, everyone was expecting the Messiah. We, we read about that expectation in the Jewish historian Josephus, in the, in the Roman writer Tacitus. They all spoke of this expectation of a ruler to come out of Israel. And strangely, there were chosen people who missed the Messiah and pagan people who found him. I want to read to you today from uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2. It is a, a familiar passage on this first Sunday of Advent. This is the Word of God. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born, King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. 
And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Our Father, on this uh, first Sunday of Advent, Lord, you've made a promise to us that we'll seek you and we'll find you when we seek you with, with all of our heart. So help us, Lord, by your word and spirit to do that today. In Jesus' name, amen. There were chosen people who missed the Messiah. Now, chosen uh, from the standpoint that they were a part of the tribe of Israel, the chosen people of God. They were the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were recipients of the law of Moses. They were the recipients of the prophets. They'd been party to the promises that God would place a descendant of David upon the throne. But the people that I'm talking about today were not just the average people of Israel. These were the chief priests and the scribes, the teachers of the law. And the priests, you might recall, were chosen by God from the tribe of Levi, specifically and especially from the line of Moses' brother Aaron. From the time of the exodus from Egypt, we read about this in Exodus chapter 28, God designated Aaron's sons to be priests of the Lord. And in Malachi chapter 2, God speaks of what he calls the covenant with Levi. He tells us what should characterize them. He says this, My covenant with Levi was a covenant of life and peace, and I gave them to him. This called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin, for the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty, and people seek instruction from his mouth. And that's who the priests are, that's what they're supposed to be. And we read in this passage of the chief priests, but we read also of the scribes of the teachers of the law. Scribes were not mere copyists. They did, they did copy the law, but they weren't mere copyists. They were scholars steeped in the traditions of textual criticism and steeped in the traditions of biblical interpretation. Because they knew the Scriptures so well from writing them again and again, they were accounted among the teachers of the law. And so they knew. They knew where the Christ was to be born. When Herod asked them, where's the Christ to be born? Well, they said, in Bethlehem and Judea. Because this is what the prophet Micah has written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. They, they knew. They knew who he was. They knew where the Christ was to be born. But they missed him. The Bible, their religion, their study of theology, all of it, it should have led them right to the Christ. 
But somehow all of that had become a distraction from him. And they missed him. It wasn't those things themselves that were the distraction, but it was how they were used, or rather misused. Because their religion had become for them not a way of knowing God, but a means of achieving some ulterior motive in the name of God. For them, religion had become a means of seeking the praise of people. Uh, You know, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus would say of them, they loved to stand praying in the synagogue or on the street corners to be seen by others. In that same chapter, Jesus warned his disciples. He said, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. See, for them, religion had become a means for them to be thought highly of, to be thought well of. Religion was particularly for these chief priests and teachers of the law, these scribes, a means of political maneuvering and advantage. You know, that was true particularly of the priesthood in Israel at the time, particularly of the Pharisees, but it was true also, or of the Sadducees rather, but it was true also of the Pharisees and of the scribes. I mean, really, that's a nice idea. The son of David is king. But we've already uh, had the Maccabean revolt. There's not a son of David on the throne. There wasn't before. It's a nice idea, religious idea, to bind us together. But really, who needs the son of David when you have access to the prince or the procurates of Rome? That's where the real progress takes place. And religion for them justified a pride of partisanship, the Sadducees, the aristocracy of Israel. The Pharisees who saw themselves as the righteous ones who maintained righteousness. And sadly, it's possible for such partisanship to exist even in the church. The Apostle Paul took that up sadly with the church at Corinth in his first letter. And he says, one of you says, I follow Paul, another I follow Apollos, another I follow Cephas, and another I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized into the name of Paul? And against that partisan bickering and a pride of sect. Paul reminds them that God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written... Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. You know, when there are alternatives in doctrine, we must 
determine which ones we think are right, which ones we think are correct, what practices will follow. And if anyone calls me Reformed or a Calvinist, I won't deny that. But I don't identify myself by those labels as though by doing so I belong to some kind of elite club. I pray that I will never view myself as anything other than a follower of Jesus. Whenever religion and the Bible are used to uh, ends of seeking the praise of people or a pride of partisanship or a way of political advantage, people miss the Messiah. And I think it's why the embers of true Christianity burn so low among the evangelical church in America today. These chief priests and scribes miss the Messiah. They knew the Bible. They knew where the Christ was to be born. They knew that he was expected, but they missed him because they had other concerns, more important concerns. These were the chosen people who missed the Messiah. But Matthew also tells us of a pagan people who found the Messiah. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. And the Bible tells us very little about these magi. Now, you know, it uses the word magi elsewhere in the New Testament, uh, never in a good light. Magi means magician. It means astrologer. And these magi, particularly, it seems, um, were the priestly class. Herodotus talks of the priestly class of the Parthian Empire. Parthia was in um, modern-day uh, Western Iran. Um, and Rome was never able to conquer the Parthians. And there were oftentimes border skirmishes between those two empires. In fact, at one time, not, not too awfully long before this event, uh, Parthia had taken parts of the Levant, parts of Israel. They had, they'd conquered Jerusalem and held it for a time. And even though this was a time of relative peace, it must have been quite startling for this entourage of Parthians to make their way into the uh, easternmost part of Rome's empire. The Magi. Today we derive both of our words magistrate and magician from those words. And the religion of these priests, we know from history, was eclectic. They assimilated uh, any wisdom that they found that they thought was helpful. They would uh, go into cultures. This was the um, remnants of the Persian Empire. And, and they would go and they would conquer a people and whatever that they thought was beneficial of their religion, their philosophy, or their wisdom literature, they would assemble together. And they sought the best wisdom and the best insight from all the cultures and all the religions into which 
they came in contact. They employed divination and astrology looking for signs in the stars. And from Israel's captivity in Babylon, it seems that they had copies of the Hebrew Bible. It's amazing that this account here is found only in Matthew, the most Jewish of the Gospels. You know, people have uh, tried to find reference to this star in some Old Testament prophecy, and every attempt to do that is uh, forced and strained. The Magi were astrologers. They looked for signs in the stars. And they believed that the appearance of a new star was a fravashi, an uh, astrological and spiritual counterpart of the birth of a great person on earth. And so with this combination of messianic expectation, biblical knowledge, and pagan practice, they set out to find the one who had been born king of the Jews. These are not the people who should have found the Messiah. Their religion was not the religion revealed by God. It was a religion that was cobbled together by man as they themselves would have told you. And pagan superstition had played a role in their quest. It should have been the Levitical priests, not the pagan Parthians who found the Messiah. But it wasn't. We're so used to this account that it's hardly troubling to us. It would have been deeply troubling to Matthew's original Jewish audience. As troubling as Jesus' parable of the Samaritan, who's more righteous than the Levite and the priest because he stops to help the Jewish man who's been waylaid on the road by robbers. These pagan Parthians had a deeper understanding of who they were seeking than they had any right to. An understanding that I think is reflected in the gifts that they brought and which we'll be looking at, Lord willing, over the rest of the Advent season. What do we learn from this account? I think the first thing we learn is that Jesus came to fulfill the promise that God made to Abraham that in his offspring all the nations of the earth would be blessed. That the blessing wouldn't come just to the children of Abraham, just to the sons of Levi, but in him all the nations of the earth would be blessed. The second thing that we learn is that there is here both a warning and an encouragement. And the warning, friends, is this. God is no respecter of persons. Your church background, your heritage, your knowledge, your Bible reading, your theology will not save you. The Levitical priests and scribes had all of that, and they missed the Messiah. 
But here's the encouragement. God is no respecter of persons. Your church background, your heritage, your theology will not save you. But Christ alone will. And he makes this promise to prominent Pharisees and to pagan Parthians, and he makes the promise to you. If you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all of your heart. The chosen people missed him, while a pagan people found him. What about you? Will you miss the Messiah? Or will you find him? Pray with me. Lord, your ways are not our ways. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. as high as the heavens are above the earth, um, so far above us are you. And Father, we could say with the Apostle Paul as he wrote to the Jews in the, in the book of Romans, what advantage then uh, has the Jew, what advantage has the one who has the scriptures? What advantage is the one who has been brought up in the promises and pulses great in every way. And yet great only in as far as it is mingled with faith. And so, Father, uh, if there are any here, any uh, in the sound of my voice uh, via the live stream, that have known of you and have known of Christ, but have not placed their faith in him. Lord, may today be the day that they seek you because you've promised that when we seek you, we'll find you if we seek with all of our hearts. Amen.